Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Mark chapter 1. Let me do a little bit of review. This is part 7 of our series. And so if you want to find the notes, you can find them on the YouVersion Bible app. Under the More section, you can see Faith Christian Center, Go Viral, Part 7. You can download them and follow along with me. Of course, we put all of our messages on our podcast on our website so you can receive them and grow in your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So in this series, we saw that all of heaven celebrates when a sinner repents and turns to God. We also saw that Jesus rejoices in celebration when God's children receive revelation and act upon it. We stated that if we do our job right here at Faith, Every faith experience can give Jesus and all of heaven a reason to turn up and celebrate. That it doesn't just have to be because a church is getting a revelation or someone's coming to Jesus. It can be both in every single experience. It's not mutually exclusive. Jesus told us that his mission was to seek and to save the lost. In the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin, we see the person in the story searching for what was lost. We saw the heart of God displayed in the story of the prodigal son. We also saw God's heart in the marriage supper parable and how he wants his house full. Our efforts have to increase for the purpose of filling God's house. This means we don't just come to church just for us. We have to have a mentality. I'm not just coming for me, but someone else is going to be blessed because I came to church today. Have this mentality. I'm bringing someone with me. I believe what I'm going to receive, but I believe in so much I'm going to bring someone else with me. And the parable of the marriage supper The king told the servant to go and compel people to come to the wedding feast. This parable mirrors our responsibility to win the loss. The use of this word compel reminds me of Paul's attitude in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22, when he said that he becomes all things to all people that he might win some. Paul's mentality in the use of compel implies by any means necessary. It's a mentality of we will do anything short of sin to win people to Jesus. We will do anything short of sin to win people to Jesus. To Jesus. That means we'll break tradition if we have to break tradition. We'll do something new if we have to do something new. We'll do something out of the box if we have to do something out of the box. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. Like we covered last week, we are to be fishers of men, and fishermen use bait. How many would just throw a hook in the water and hope a fish jumps on? That means we have to be intentional with our fishing. And the Holy Ghost is creative, so he'll give you creative ideas, some of the things we're going to do at the end of this year and next year we haven't done before because we're going fishing. We want to win more people to Jesus than ever before. We believe the church is the perfect place for people to grow in the Word and get saved at the same time. It doesn't have to be, well, if you want to grow in the Word, you can go to that church. Well, if you want someone to get saved, you take them to that church. It doesn't have to be either or. If we do our job right here at Faith, every faith experience gives heaven a reason to turn up and celebrate. That you can do creative things and still have the move of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is creative. He'll give creative ideas to win people and reach people exactly where they are. And in our efforts to do so, you don't have to rule out the gifts of the Spirit. To have a church that wins the loss, you don't have to hide the Holy Ghost in a closet and say you can only move on special nights. No, the Holy Ghost wants more lost people won than anyone else in the world. So the gifts of the Spirit are necessary as well as the fruit of the Spirit, as you saw last week. The fruit of the Spirit is what makes Jesus attractive to everybody through our life. So the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit are necessary as we reach out to compel people to come and become fishers of men and do what the Holy Ghost called us to do at Faith Christian Center. If you're with us on the 25th anniversary gala night, we launched our vision statement, our mission statement, and the new logo and branding. 
But for everyone else in the congregation, we're going to roll it out on September 9th. We're going to show you what the new logo looks like, the new branding looks like. We're going to show you where we're going, where the Holy Ghost has for us in the next 25. The last 25 were great, but this next 25 is as bright as God can make it. And so we're moving into the next 25, and we'll talk about it on September 9th more in detail. So Mark chapter 1, verse 21. We've been in Mark chapter 1 a lot in the series. And they went into Capernaum, Jesus and disciples, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. So what did Jesus go to do? Teach. And they were astonished at his doctrine. That word means teaching. For he taught them as one that had authority. What is he doing? Teaching. Right? Not as the scribes. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, a demon. And he cried out, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, you Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. What disturbed the demon? The teaching. It's what Jesus was teaching and how he was teaching. He was teaching with authority. And his authority disturbed the demon. And when the unclean spirit had, Jesus replied to the unclean spirit, said, shut up and get out. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new teaching is this? For with authority commands he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Why did his fame spread? Why did he go viral? His authority. His teaching was authority. And he displayed his authority. How viral did he go? Verse 32, and I even, when the sun just set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed of the devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door of Peter's house. They knew that was Jesus was staying. They heard Jesus had authority. He taught a message with authority. He displayed his authority. And so he went viral because of his authority. You are meant to walk in that same authority. We call it the authority of the believer. Those who believe Jesus' message should walk in the same authority. If you believe what Jesus preached, you should walk in his authority. To understand this concept fully, you must understand that man was made for dominion. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Mankind was made for dominion. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Mankind was never made to be dominated, but to walk in dominion. That's why when some situation, somebody tries to oppress you and push you down, this is crawling on the inside like something is not right here. Is because you are made for dominion. You weren't made to be dominated. You were made for dominion. It says that this way in Psalm 8 verse 6. Because you made him to have dominion over all the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. God created mankind as the original rulers over earth. They had dominion over the entire planet. They were the rulers of the earth. They were the small case G, God of this earth. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? When Adam and Eve sinned, they transferred their authority and their dominion to Satan. So 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 calls Satan the God of this world, small case G. He's no by any means the big case G God, but he's the ruler of this world and its systems. He got that authority from Adam and Eve when they sinned. 
But just because Adam and Eve sinned, God's plan for man never changed. He still planned for man to rule. He still planned for man to walk in dominion. He still planned for man to walk in authority. Say, I have authority. Say, when God planned me, he planned for me to have authority. So when Jesus came, the second Adam, he came to restore everything the first Adam lost and to give you even more. So let's go to Mark chapter 3. Mankind was still meant to rule, still meant to walk in authority. We have a lot of good books on authority of believer, we believe. Dad Hagen has a book, Authority of the Believer. I wholeheartedly recommend you read that book. But Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Now, A. McMillan has a book on authority of believer. That's a great book as well. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. And he, Jesus, goes up into the mountain, calls unto him, him who he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. The word power here is also translated as the word authority. So notice this. Jesus goes viral in Mark chapter 1 because of his authority. He gets to Mark chapter 3, and what is he doing? He's transferring authority to his twelve apostles which lets us know authority is transferable. It didn't just stay with Jesus. He gave it to his 12. Now go to Luke chapter 7. Authority is transferable. Authority is transferable. Luke chapter 7. Verse 1. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Now, when he, Jesus, had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, that's his home city, that's his base. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal the servant. And when they came to Jesus, the elders of the Jews, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he, they said, for he loves our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. This centurion is a Gentile. He's not a Jewish believer, but he's heard of Jesus. And he knows that Jesus can heal. And so he's told the elders of the Jews, hey, I know Jesus is a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish prophet, but maybe he, he will heal my servant. He means a lot to me. I want him to be healed. I want him to be whole. Will you go and give a good word to Jesus on my behalf? Now, the reason the elders of the Jews were willing, because this Gentile centurion, not all the Roman soldiers were nice those days. Some were, and some were plain evil. But this Roman soldier, this centurion, not only did he have authority in that area, he was a big giver. He built them a synagogue. you got to be a pretty big giver if you build them a house of worship. And he was a blessing to that area. So the Jewish elders came to Jesus, please, please come and heal this child. And when he came towards the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, trouble not yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto you, but say in a word. One word. And my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. So what is the centurion saying with this statement? He says, I also am a man under authority. So he's saying, Jesus is a man under authority. And he says, I have a soldiers under me. That means Jesus has authority over things. So he believes that Jesus 
It's under his father's authority. And Jesus is authorized to do certain things. So when the man came to Jesus, he sent people to Jesus on his behalf. What did he have faith in? The authority of Jesus. The centurion had faith in the authority of Jesus. Because he goes on and says, I say unto one, go, and he goes. Unto another, come, and he comes. Unto my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Matthew 8, 13 says, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And a servant was healed in the selfsame hour. The centurion recognized Jesus' authority, and he had faith in Jesus' authority. Yes, he believed Jesus could heal. But notice his faith was placed in Jesus' authority. Faith in the authority of Jesus produces the miraculous. Faith in the authority of Jesus produces the miraculous. Faith in the authority of Jesus produces the miraculous. He believed in the authority of Jesus and a servant was healed that same hour. He says, you don't have to come touch him if you just say something. That word is the release of your authority. If you just say the word, he'll be healed. He believed in Jesus' authority. Now, the 12 apostles had faith in Jesus' authority. Jesus transferred his authority to them, and they had to believe in Jesus' authority to operate in it. So, well, how well did that work for them? Mark chapter 6. The apostles had to have faith in the authority Jesus gave them to produce the miraculous. The apostles had to have faith in the authority that Jesus gave to them in order to produce the miraculous, and it worked very, very well for them. You see in Mark chapter 6, verse 12, and they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils. Not one devil, not two devils, not three devils, many devils. And knowing with oil, many that were sick and healed them. Why? They had the authority of Jesus. Now think about it from this perspective. These 12 men, although they're called to be apostles, yes, they're anointed, they are not saved. How do you know that? Jesus had to die and raise from the dead. Salvation is not available yet. The Holy Ghost does not live on the inside of them. They're not washed in the blood. They're not filled with the Holy Ghost. Yet they got authority to produce the miraculous. Now, it wasn't just for these 12 either. It went beyond the 12. Go to Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Authority is transferable. And faith in the authority of Jesus produces the miraculous. Authority is transferable. And faith in the authority of Jesus produces the miraculous. These 12 had to have faith in the authority Jesus gave them in order to produce the miraculous in their lives. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. And after these things, after what happened in Mark chapter 6, The Lord appointed other 70 also. These weren't apostles. These weren't ministry gifts. These were regular people. And sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would go. So he sent them ahead of him. But when he appointed them, he authorized them. When he called them to go, he gave them his authority. How do you know that? You skip down to verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us Through your name. Say name. Name. That word name in the Greek is unama, which means the authority and the character thereof. So the 70 returns says, the demons listen to us because we have your authority. The demons have to obey us in your authority. 
And Jesus said unto him, I behold Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power. This first power here in verse 19 means authority. I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. The second power is translated ability. It's the power of armies and hosts and supernatural ability. It's ability, supernatural ability, and the powers of armies and hosts. So think about it this way. Jesus, I give you authority over all the ability and the host of the enemy. But notice how he portrayed that to him. He says scorpions and serpents and then all the power. Now, today, most people don't like snakes and scorpions. There are a few people who like snakes, but, you know, God bless you. It ain't me. And now, serpents and scorpions have the power to harm you. But, you know, when we travel, we travel by car, by plane, so we ain't thinking about snakes or scorpions on the road because if it pops on the road, we're just going to drive over them. End of story. But think about first century people. They walked where they were going. Unless they had horses or other transportation, most people walked. These 70 are going in between city and city, walking through the cities. So serpents and scorpions are a real danger to them. It is a potential problem to them. They could walk by, and all of a sudden, a snake could jump out and bite them. It's possible for a scorpion to sting them if they're not watching where they're going. If they're sleeping in between cities and they camp out, it is very possible for a scorpion or a serpent to get them during the night. So notice Jesus is using things that are everyday dangers to their life and said, even the everyday dangers Satan made to throw you away can't touch you. I give you authority over the everyday dangers and all the power. So it's not just what he tries every day, but even the big attacks. I give you authority over all of his host. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. You are to walk on them. Notice what Jesus told 70 believers, 70 disciples, not even the apostles. They're not saved yet. They're not filled with the Holy Ghost yet. He says, I give you authority over all the works and the power of the enemy. Stomp on him and keep him under your feet. This is before the new covenant is initiated, yet he transferred this authority to the 70. Authority is transferable. And faith in the authority of Jesus produces the miraculous. And in order to produce the miraculous in your life, you have to have faith in the authority Jesus has given you. Go to Mark 16. Mark 16. Remember, Mark started out with Jesus going viral because of his authority. We see Jesus throughout the gospel transferring his authority. But notice how the gospel ends. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. The key word here is believe. But he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that what? Believe. The key word so far is what? Believe. In my name. That's authority and character of. In my authority. What happens? They shall cast out or drive out devils. In my authority, they shall speak with new tongues. In my authority, they shall take up serpents. Now, that doesn't mean you practice. If I got the authority of Jesus, let me go find a snake. And if I have enough faith, the authority is not going to bite me. That's not what he's saying. Do not play with snakes. Same thing you tell your children. I'm telling you, do not play with snakes. 
Now, what does this part of the scripture mean? It's like what happened to Paul in the book of Acts. He's just gathering firewood to throw in a fire, and a snake jumps out and bites him. It's poisonous. He's supposed to die in seconds. He looks at it and shakes it off and walks away. Why? There was authority. Sometimes the enemy will try to bite you, just shake it off. And they all watched him thinking he was going to die, but God had supernaturally delivered him. That's what it's talking about in the scripture. It says, in my name, if they drink any deadly things, shall not hurt them. That doesn't mean, well, I got the authority of Jesus. Let me make an arsenic milkshake. That is not what he's talking about. He's not saying, well, I'm going to poison myself to see if I have faith. That is not what he's saying. It's talking about people trying to poison you to take you out, and you eat. It's like, ooh, seems kind of spicy today, and you keep moving. It's you supernaturally delivered from the enemy's attempt to take you out. In my name, in my authority, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following, amen. The gospel of Mark ends with the commission for Jesus' followers to go in his authority. The same gospel that started out with Jesus going viral because of his authority, at the end he tells his followers, now you go in that authority so you can get the same results. Jesus even said more about this commission in Matthew chapter 28. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18, you were made for dominion. You have authority. Faith in the authority of Jesus produces the miraculous. Jesus has transferred authority to you. But in order for you to produce the miraculous in everyday life, you must have faith in the authority Jesus has given you. Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, that word power here is authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. It's like, well, that's nice, Jesus. You got all authority in your hands. We like to sing that on Easter. All power in his hands. All power in his hands. But that's not where the verse ends. That's not where the passage ends. Go ye therefore. Go ye is a transfer of authority. It says, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Now I'm giving it to you, and you go. Teach all nations or make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the name or in the authority of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. So he says, you baptize in the authority. You can only baptize in the authority if Jesus gave you the authority. Now, one of the things you hear me when we baptize people, you say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, in the name of the authority of Jesus of Nazareth to be baptized. Well, Pastor, why do you say such a long sentence? Because people have fought religious wars over the word name. They said, well, were you baptized in the name of Jesus? Not, it didn't work. Were you baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? If it worked, it didn't work. It's a misunderstanding of the word name. As we already said, it means the authority and the character thereof. The authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is the authority of Jesus. Now, because I don't explain that every time I baptize people, I say it both. So people go out and say, well, what name were you baptized under? Both. It ends the argument. The authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is the authority of Jesus. So he tells them to go out and make disciples of all people groups in that authority. Baptize them. Teach them to do, observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. So when we look at one of the purposes of this authority, it's not just to take care of your house, even though you should do that. It's not just for your everyday life, for you. One of the purposes of the transfer of this great authority was to use it to win people to Jesus. 
A lot of times we receive great revelation and teaching, and we know how to use our faith for ourselves. We know how to stand on healing scriptures for ourselves. We know how to receive the blessing for ourselves. We know how to use the authority for ourselves. We know how to pray for ourselves. But all those things are great, but they're even better when you learn to use it for somebody else. Your authority wasn't just meant for you to use it for yourself, but it's also for you to use it for the benefit of somebody else. Philippians chapter 2, let's talk about this authority a little bit more, this name. Verse 9 says, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name, an authority, which is above every name and authority, that at the name of the authority of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, which means supreme in authority to the glory of God the Father. Everything has to bow to the authority of Jesus, and Jesus sent you out in his authority, in his name. The name of Jesus can do anything that Jesus can do. The name of Jesus can do anything that Jesus can do. So when you go out in the name of Jesus, you can do the same things he can. Because you've been commissioned and given the legal right to use his name. How high does that name represent? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 tells us that Jesus is seated high above everything. And God put everything under his feet. And it says his body is the church that fills all in all. We are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. If you put it under the feet of Jesus, he put it under your feet. And if it's not clear enough, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, it says he made us sit together with him in heavenly places. Your authority is represented by the seat you sit in. Your authority is represented by the seat you sit in. You sit at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. He said, well, Pastor, I'm sitting right here in Austell. I'm sitting here watching online. That may be where you physically are, but your authority is from that throne. And that throne is higher than everything, and everything has to bow down to that throne. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You've been commissioned to go in that authority. Jesus transferred his authority to you. You are to go in that authority knowing the name of Jesus can do anything that he can do. And faith in the authority of Jesus or faith in the name of Jesus produces the miraculous. You must have faith in the authority Jesus has given you if you want to produce the miraculous in your life. You must have faith in the name of Jesus if you want it to work for you. But it can't be a good luck charm to you. You just say Jesus because, oh, I, I hope something works. If you don't have reverence for the name, you won't have power backing up when you say the name. If every time something happens, you say, Jesus, 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 you have no reverence for the name. So when you try to use it to get it to work, there'll be no power there. There has to be reverence for the name of Jesus. If you expect your faith to work and the power to go out when you say it, you have to reverence the name. Faith in the authority of Jesus produces the miraculous. And go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is anyone in Christ? He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation no one's ever seen before. People may try to hold you by your past. It's like, well, I don't know who that guy was, who that woman was, because that ain't me. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things are new. And the next verse says, all things are of God. Everything you became after you were born again came straight from God. Your new identity came straight from God. 
who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now we then are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. The word reconcile means to restore to friendly relations between. It means to restore to friendly relations between. So it says God was in Christ. God was working in Jesus to bring the world back to a friendly status with him. He says he was not imputing the trespass in the sense, holding that against him. He was working through Jesus to bring everyone to himself. Now that Jesus sits on the right hand of the God after he's been raised from the dead, it says God is working in us. Because God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, which is a God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Come to Jesus. That God wants to work in you the same way he worked through Jesus to bring people to himself. The mission of Jesus was to seek and save the lost. Anything God calls you to do, anything he gifts you to do, anything he anoints you to do, any purpose he's placed on your life is an extension of the call of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. You have the ministry of reconciliation. You are an ambassador for Christ. Ambassadors are sent with authority. Now imagine we've got several ambassadors that go from the United States. So let's say there's an ambassador that comes from the United States to a very poor country. Is it that poor country's job to take care of the ambassador? No. Whose job is it? The government that sent him. So let's say that ambassador has a need. Is he going to go to that country to meet his need? No, it's the job of that government to meet the need. So let's say he's going to have a fancy state dinner, and he wanted some certain types of steaks. Would he have to go walk around that country to find those steaks? No, the government will send it. You are an ambassador, a representative of the government of the kingdom of God. It's not this world's job to meet your needs. It's God's job. You are backed with the fullness of heaven. New Jerusalem is your capital and where is your headquarters. Remember we talked about earlier this year that there is a storehouse in heaven loaded up with everything good. It's already there with your name on it. So when something pops up, don't go, oh, what I'm going to do? Wait a minute, I'm an ambassador. God's got me. It's like an example I gave in the first experience. Imagine if your father was a multi-multi-billionaire CEO, and he had a problem region. One of his companies said, I'm sending you to work there. It's a poor area of the country, a poor country, but you need to go work there. Don't worry about your bills. I already got that taken care of. I just need you to go fix it. What if that person walked out of that meeting with their father and said, oh, what am I going to do? I don't know how I'm going to eat because they don't make a lot of money over there. He's like, it's crazy. Your father just said he's going to meet your needs and says, I got you. That's the same thing God told you. He says, I got you. He says, don't worry or don't take a thought about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He says, those with no covenant, think on those things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first my government, and all these things will be added to you. So you're not supposed to be walking around going, what am I going to eat, what am I going to drink, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? God's got you. He sent you, he authorized you, and he's got your back. So your thinking has to be different. You're not a person without a covenant. That's what Gentile means. You have a covenant. You read the book of Hebrews, part of your covenant is you have a God. 
You look at situations in your life. He says, you got a bad report from the doctor. Well, tell that bad report, you got a God. You looked at your bank account. That doesn't look like what you needed to look at. He says, but you got a God. You go to the job, something's not happening the way you want it to happen, but you got a God. There's something going on in your family. It's not what you want, but you got a God. You go out and see everything in the world. Does not matter. You got a God. And he is good. And part of the covenant is you're his people. You're his. He's got you. He says, nobody can take you from my hand. I got you. You are the apple of my eye. I got you. Doesn't matter what goes on in the world. I got you. Doesn't matter what you see on the news. I got you. Doesn't matter what a politician tweets. I got you. Doesn't matter what Congress says. I got you. Doesn't matter what the Supreme Court does. I got you. Doesn't matter what Wall Street does. I got you. Doesn't matter what Russia does. I got you. You're an ambassador with that mentality. God's got me. I'm going in the name of Jesus. He supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He gives me the desires of my heart. I'm not going somewhere to have an accident. I'm going somewhere to be a blessing. I'm on mission. I'm on assignment. God's got me. I'm going in the name and the authority of Jesus, and faith in that authority produces the miraculous. I have to have faith in the authority Jesus has given unto me. And I said, well, pastor, it seems like things are drying up in my life. Well, make sure you're where you're supposed to be. Because ambassadors don't go wherever they want to go. They go where they're sent. So make sure you go where you're sent. And be happy about where you're sent. Well, pastor, I don't want to be here, but God sent me. You better get happy about it real quick. We serve the Lord with joy and gladness. Brother Copeland told a story recent last few years in one of the conferences I was at. He was talking about an attack that came on his body that was very painful that took him years to defeat. And the Lord told him one day how it came into his life. He said, I told you to do this years ago, and you did it, but you didn't like one second of it. You were upset about it. You complained about it, but you did it to be obedient. You weren't serving me with joy and gladness, so you opened the door for the enemy to attack your body. So you know what Brother Copeland said he did? He said, I got happy real quick. Get happy about what God's called you to do. So, you don't know how my spouse is. Don't matter. You prayed to get married. You better be happy about being married. So I'm tired of being single. Well, you want to be single. You put everyone else in their friends, they'll be happy about being single. Oh, y'all got quiet on that one. So, you don't know how my boss has to have the job. You pray for a job. You got a job. Be happy for your job. Well, my kids drive me nuts. You prayed for kids. Be happy about your kids. It's time to get happy about your life and serve God with joy and gladness. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's time for you to smile and act like it. Too many Christians are walking around going, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. Do, do, do. You look like Eeyore. It's time out for Eeyore Christians. Be filled with the joy of the Lord. Have a smile on your face. Smile like Jesus is good and that he's got you. You should be so filled with joy that people know you are a believer wherever you go. When I was in college, I went to a church in Tulsa Victory Christian Center, and you knew its members wherever you were in the city because they smiled. 
They just have a joy about them. It's like, oh, you must go to victory. Oh, I do. You go there too? It was a smile. I want us to be so filled with joy here at Faith. We go around the city. It's like, they must go to Faith Christian Center. Look at that joy on their face. Look at that smile. They smile like they actually believe good news. See, it's called the gospel. That's good news. We don't preach sad news. We don't preach bad news. We don't preach the curse. We preach the blessing of Abraham. It's good news. So smile about it. Get a smile on your face. I like what TDJ says. If you don't smile, Satan will think he's winning. Get a smile on your face. Well, Satan tried something. Laugh at him. He hates being laughed at. Laugh at him. Remember, he's pride personified. Laugh at him. Well, he tried this. Might as well laugh. Because you know God's got you. And your laughter is an expression of your faith. Because you only can laugh if you know how it's going to turn out. You got to laugh like Muhammad Ali. He laughed at his opponents. It drove his opponents mad. Why could you laugh? Because you know you're going to win. He said, well, I'm boxing with the enemy. Something's going on. Well, laugh. Your laughter should be higher than your fight. He said, well, there's a lot going on. Well, laugh more. Don't laugh after it turns. Laugh in the mess. Have joy in the mess. Celebrate in the mess. Praise God in the mess. Dance in the mess. Run, shout in the mess. Because you know it's not going to stay a mess. That when it's all turned, God's going to turn around and it's going to become a message. That where I am is not where I'm going to stay forever. God's got me and it's turning for my good. That good days are ahead of me. My best is always yet to come. God's got my back. I'm going in the name and the authority of Jesus. So it's going to work for me. I am an ambassador, and heaven's got my back. So you got a reason to smile. You have reason to rejoice and to be joyful. Remember we said last week, the fruit of the Spirit makes Jesus Christ attractive to all those around you. If you're walking in joy, people want to know you're Jesus. If you're always walking around depressed, who wants to know you're Jesus? Well, people can't see what I look like, but they can see what you post. I don't say be fake online, but you don't got to put everything online, please. Everybody don't need to know about your house. Please don't put on your Facebook when your house ain't happy. And that's the Faith and Family series. But please don't talk about your spouse or your kids on Facebook. Keep some of the things in your house between you and Jesus. Not Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and whatever you want to put on. They don't need to know. Why get a lot of likes? That means you want attention, not the miraculous. But that's another message. Some people don't want to be delivered. They just want attention. They like the attention the drama brings them. They really don't want to overcome. Do you want the attention or do you want victory? Do you want to be petty or do you want to walk in power? It's up to you. We're ambassadors. God has sent us. We have authority. But understanding you have authority, it leads you to the next question. What is my jurisdiction? What is the extent of my authority? Not how high it goes. We've already seen how high it goes. We sit at the right hand of God. Everything bows to that name. But what is the extent of my authority? How far does it go? Well, for starters, you have authority over your own life and your own body. If something shows up on your body and you don't want it there, tell it to go. A headache shows up, nope, you got to go. Something's happened to your body, you don't like it, tell it to go. You have authority over your body. Jesus is giving you that authority. 
Now, don't confuse your body. Think, well, I rebuke that stomach ache, but you ate crap all week. Make up your mind what you want your body to do. If you're going to use your authority for health, make sure you feed health to your body. Use your authority. Now, you have authority of those who live in your house. Now, you may have some little kids or teenagers, they don't know how to stand in faith yet. They don't know how to use your authority to fight off the enemy, but you do. They're your child. Satan, leave my baby alone. You, get out. Use your authority. They get sick. Teach them to use their authority. Now, that doesn't mean you can't give them medicine. I believe in medicine. I believe in faith. I believe in both. God, Jesus uses both. And so one of the things, and my toddler wasn't feeling well recently, and so she can't say every word, but I said, say, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. So she's saying, I healed stripes Jesus. <laughs> Close enough. What is that? Teaching her how to use her faith. We're faith people. You don't become faith people when I unless you tell your kids how to use their faith. And so every night, we wanted to use their faith to receive sweet dreams. Because Jesus says in the Bible, he'll give you sweet sleep. So that's part of what we have or confess. And so we're going over our prayer at night, going over the confession last night. And I had to pause and look at something for a minute. And she finished it and says, I take it and I have it in Jesus' name. Like, you better do that, baby. You better use your faith. You must use your faith and teach your kids to use their faith. But there's certain things your kids don't know how to do, so you use your authority and you drive it away. See, you mamas, you got your kids going off to school. Use your authority and keep away messed up people from your children. You don't like the whoremonger or whore, since you guys got, you always jump when I say ho. That may be attractive to your son or your daughter, drive them away. You don't even have to be mean. You can meet them and be sweet as pie. But by the time you get into your prayer closet, Satan, you better let go of that person and get away from my baby in the name of Jesus. You can handle that in prayer. That comes like, you know, that relationship didn't work out. Really, baby? You okay? Oh, God bless you. Oh, come here. Let me cook you something really nice. And you, they're going in to get some food. You're like, yes, the authority works again. You can use your authority for your house and for your family. You have limited authority where your neighborhood's concerned. Now, you can't use authority. Well, I'm going to make them do that. I'm going to make them cut their yard every day. You can barely make your kids do what they're supposed to do. You can't make someone else do something. You're not called to walk in dominion over people. What you can do is use your authority against wicked spirits that are trying to operate in your neighborhood. Why? You live there. You have authority. So you can say, stop messing with that person, and then you can pray for that person as the Spirit of God leads you. You can do that for where your, your neighborhood and your community is concerned. You can do that for where your kid's school is concerned and your coworkers because you have authority and a right to be there because you live there or you work there or your kids go to school there. So you can say, evil spirit that's blinding the eyes of so-and-so, you call out the name before God. Don't do this in front of them. Don't say, you evil spirit grabbing their eyes. No. Handle this in your prayer time. Because I command you to let them go. Let go of their eyes. Stop blinding them. Let go of their minds. And then you pray that Ephesians 1 prayer for them. Father, I pray that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. They may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. And that's what you pray. But what else I pray? Whatever the Holy Ghost gives you to pray. Sometimes you may need to take time to pray over them in the spirit. But after you use your authority, you just thank God for what God is doing in their life every single day. 
and he prayed whatever he puts on your heart to pray for them. Well, how long do I pray? Till they change. You stay before God before them. You may be the only person praying for them. So you keep them lifted before God. Your authority does have limits when it comes to others. Now, there's certain things I can use my authority to do for people who are in this congregation because I'm your pastor. If you receive me as a pastor, ah, this is the church I belong to. There's certain things I can do with my authority because you're under my watch as a shepherd. That I can drive things away from you because I am the shepherd. That I can deal with wolves and goats and craziness because I'm the shepherd. I can do more if you get your faith joined with mine. They said, Pastor, this is the scripture I'm standing on. This is what I'm believing to happen. You add your faith with mine. Things will happen. That's our authority joining. But I have the right to do that because I'm your pastor. You can't just use your authority and drive out everything. You use it where you have jurisdiction. You have jurisdiction in your neighborhood, in your community. You have jurisdiction in your kids' school. Why? Your kids go there. So you declare this is going to be a place of peace. This is going to be a place of education. Demons, you ain't running through these hallways. And one of the things when you're kids' school, make yourself known. Walk through those halls. Talk to every single teacher. Show up unexpectedly when they let you through the building. Go to every PTA meeting. Let them know that that child has a parent in the house and they watch everything. Most good teachers want parents to do that because they want the parents to parent the children, not the teachers to parent. Be involved. Every day, pray over your kids' school. Plead the blood of Jesus over that campus. Pray over that teachers. You command every evil, foul, unclean spirit trying to hide in those halls. You are dismissed from that school. And every plan you're plotting, I command you to be exposed because everything's open and naked before my God, and he reveals it in the authority of Jesus. You take authority over that school. You take authority in your office. Why? He gave it to you. It's time for you to use it. Now, since you have jurisdiction and authority in that area, As you're praying for people and using your authority, tell them about Jesus as the Holy Ghost leads you. And invite them to church. That's why I invited them before. Well, think about how many times it took you to get to the house of God. How many invitations? How long people had to intercede for you and supplicate for your tail? Be willing to do the same thing for others. Go get them. So I invited them. Well, tell them, hey, we have church this time on Sunday. You know, I don't like to be late. I like to be there early. Y'all got real quiet on that one. <laughs> Y'all were even quieter than the 9 a.m. crowd. Well, what time does church start? Well, it starts at 1130, but prayer starts 10 minutes before, so I like to be there for prayer. At least someone can say amen besides people here at 9. And you invite them, and he says, I'll go pick you up. I'll be in your driveway at this time. I'll be in front of your apartment at this time. Pastor, let someone else in my car. You let someone else in your car and let Jesus get in your car, you may get a better one. Remember, Jesus got in Peter's boat, and he got the biggest catch of his life so far. Let Jesus get in what you got. Increase comes. Invite people and go get them. Bring them. God wants his house full. Now, some people come to church because they see an advertisement. Some people come just because they're they're adventurous. Like, ooh, there's a new church. Let me go. But most people come to church because people invite them. Why? It's a simple principle. Sheep beget sheep. Go get them. You can use your authority and pray for them, but you're an ambassador. Go and get them. So my question to you today is, who are you bringing to church next week? 
I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked Him into your heart, you've never made Him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that He died for me, but on the third day, You raised Him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with Your Spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.